You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Hi, everyone. Our guest today is Jerry Savage. Jerry began his sales career over three decades ago after serving on the active duty military as a United States Marine. And then he entered the field of orthopedic total joint replacement, where he has decades of experience in orthopedic sales. He's also an entrepreneur, an author, and a horse enthusiast. You're going to love hearing what Jerry has to say about paying the price of leadership. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Tracy Jones. Welcome to the Tremendous Leadership, Leaders on Leadership podcast, where we talk with tremendous leaders from all over the world about what it took them to pay the price of leadership. And today, I am so excited. Our guest is Jerry Savage. And Jerry began his sales career over three decades ago in 1985 after serving on active duty in the United States Marine. All right, Jerry, I just married a Marine, so you got double the respect from me. In 1991, he entered the field of total joint replacement, winning five President Club Awards with Zimmer Orthopedics between 1995 and 2003. And then Jerry went on to become a distributor for Biomet Orthopedics, and then eventually served as the regional director for Conformis and Eastern Regional Vice President for Microport Orthopedics. Jerry's currently the Vice President of Sales for Max Orthopedics US. He receives both his undergraduate and graduate degrees in business administration from Eastern University in St. David's, Pennsylvania, where he's also an adjunct professor. And I want to talk also about Jerry because he is quite entrepreneurial when not traveling or pursuing the next opportunity to grow the business. Jerry looks forward to spending time with Maine and his family and friends, writing with his trusted Cavalier King Charles Spaniel Brady by his side, or at the barn riding horses. And we're going to hear more about his work with horses and leadership. He has competed in the hunter ring over fences as an equestrian throughout central Pennsylvania, where he has lived for the last 12 years with his family. So he's our neighbor in central PA. Jerry, it's wonderful to have you on the podcast today. Tracy, I'm excited to be here. Exciting. I love it. And you can see you got life is tremendous. You got the price of leadership. You got tremendous. So you know, this guy's tremendous. So um, (laughs) I get all the right stuff, at least in the background. I don't pick any untremendous people to be on the podcast. So (laughs) I'm really excited, Jerry. Thanks for taking the time out to talk. And you knew my father's work and you knew that he wrote a speech called The Price of Leadership. And here on the Tremendous Leadership Podcast, when we talk to leaders, we talk about a very pragmatic approach to leadership. Yes, there's theory, but there's a lot of experience out there. And my father said that there's really four things that you have to be doing to really pay the price to be a leader. Otherwise, you're calling yourself a leader, but you may not truly be engaging in leader, the act of leadership, which is mm-hmm. very different than being a leader. So the first one he talked about, Jerry, was loneliness. And you know, we've all heard that it's lonely at the top, but could you unpack that for us? What loneliness has meant to you? You had a, a really um, phenomenal career. And now you have your writing, your side business, and you're a vice president of sales in this company, and you work with horses. You're amazing. Don't sound <laughs> yeah, like a lonely um, guy, but I'm sure there's been times in your leadership journey where you have felt lonely. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. So I started out when I got out of the Marine Corps in sales. My dad was a salesman. My dad was an orthopedic salesman for, for years. And one of the reasons I got into orthopedics and, you know, Back then, we didn't have social media. We didn't have things at our fingertips, right? So, you know, you got put on the road with a catalog and a pager. And remember the days with the bag cell phones when it all cost a lot of money to talk yes. on your cell phone? And so you had to learn by trial and error. I think you have to do that with anything. Mm. But, you know, making decisions, even in a sales position where you're a sales leader, maybe not leading a 
a sales team. But when you're in sales, they'll say, okay, well, you're, you're a sales leader because you're a top salesman, right? And you have to make decisions at the account level. And generally those decisions, you know, you don't feel very lonely making those decisions. But when you get into a place where you're actually leading others, a team, and that's where I think the loneliness comes in because there's other people that depend on you. There's other people that will look to you to make good decisions. And, and guess what? We, we don't always make good decisions. We make, right. we make mistakes. And we have successes and failures. And I've had my share throughout my entire career. But I can remember when I first moved from a sales leader to a distributor for Bioman Orthopedics, and I got a sales team in place. And boy, I wanted to give those folks everything that, that I didn't have when I was a salesperson. And I quickly found out that you can't do that because one, I had earned everything that I got, and you can't just give things to people without earning that. When you start making decisions, you have to make decisions that are in the best interest of the entire organization. And that's where it can get pretty lonely because you have to make decisions that you might not have the right person in mm -hmm. place, the right person on the bus. You might have to make a change. And there's nobody you can ask for advice from other people, but when it comes right down to it, that decision's yours. Mm -hmm. And that space and time where you make that decision, I think that's where the loneliness comes because you're saying, okay, gut check. Am I making the right decision? It's going to fall on me. And you don't know at the time, you, you, know, you can get all the data and say, okay, you're going to make a good decision, but you just don't know until you, know, you execute. And so I've had more than my share of times like that um, when I was a distributor. And I can tell you now, as I'm running the entire U.S. organization for a company, that sense of loneliness happens more often. But thankfully, if as you've traveled down a road, you've been there before. So maybe not so lonely. You say, okay, I've been in this space before. I'm okay. I can make that decision. You know, and I think experience tells you that we build on our experiences, right? And so, right. Uh, you know, we, we just get better equipped to make those decisions and handle that and get through those situations when you're potentially lonely, right? Right. I can tell you, this isn't your first rodeo. I can tell from what you said, I love when you hit on, you can't give things to people they haven't earned. And I have fallen into that enabling type of behavior as a leader mm -hmm. um, many times. And yeah. it's, I guess if I would have had kids, I probably would have done the same thing <laughs> to them. But that's really absolutely brilliant. And I love that you talked about, you've been in this space before. And because people are people, you know, the old school thing is, well, you, when you get to be a more evolved leader, this, these things stop happening. And I really mm -hmm. appreciate the fact that you tell, well, we change, but not everybody changes. So it is in human nature to always kind of go for the path of least resistance. And as leaders, mm -hmm. we're constantly reining people in to stay on point, on path, and to bring out the best in them. So I thank you for your authenticity, because I think sometimes in leadership literature, it's like, well, man, sooner or later, you know, you should have this figured out and it should be inherently easier. And it's like, well, then maybe I'm still doing it wrong after all these years, you know? Yeah. And I, and I think too, it's a good, that's a really good point. It makes me think of the fact that, you know, for instance, all salespeople aren't great leaders or don't become good leaders or managers and not all managers can be salespeople. Right. You know, so if you want to make that transition from, and especially in sales, from a sales leader in the field to somebody who's actually managing people and being, you know, in a leadership position, running an organization, you have to be a lifelong learner. So you have to mm -hmm. say, okay, well, I did this here and I can use that information, but Love that's it. not the same information that I'm going to need to lead this team. So I think life being that, and it's, it's used a lot. Oh, this person's a lifelong learner. Well, if you're not constantly learning in a different role or in a new role, then you're not going to rise to it. And mm -hmm. 
you're just going to go on whatever your gut tells you, let's say. Right. I love it. Well, and you know, you, you talk about sales, you know, my dad was in sales and he would talk, you know, one year you're at the top of your game. Everything you touch just turns to gold. A year later, you're wondering, where did my mojo go? So yeah. it's really one of those things that if we don't constantly stay infused and motivated and pushing away the doubt, I mean, that's something, that's part of the human experience, right. regardless of what role you're in. Yeah, you know, so you're only as good as the numbers, right? Tomorrow, right? In a sales organization, it's like, yeah. oh, the numbers are great. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I remember I was a sales representative years ago up in Bangor, Maine, and I had a regional guy that used to come up and work with me every so often. And, you know, and, and again, I won five presidents clubs. So I was like, I was always just, you know, I didn't know anything else, but just getting in my car and working. And so I would be so excited. I said, I've got this done. I've got this done. He'd go, yeah, well, Jerry, what have you done for me lately? You know? Okay. Yeah. You had a good month last month. What have you done for me lately? It's just the numbers, right? It's like, okay, so if you're, you know, you could have the best numbers in the world, but guess what? We got to turn around and do it again. Right, right, right. Well, and it's like that, I watch Project Runway. One day you're in and the next day you're out, you know? <laughs> Once the alarm clock hits 0001, yesterday's in the rearview mirror. What are you doing now? So right. <laughs> I guess I've always been driven like that. So it's like, okay, what is it going to take to get me to the next level? Okay? okay. So I was never comfortable just being in. Now, I, again, I'm not somebody that's always, you know, gone from one job to the next. I've been every place I've been, it's five, six, seven, eight years. But I get to a point where I, I always said, okay, well, what's next? Mm -hmm. And, you know, now in my leadership role now, it's like, it, now it's like, well, what can I do to give back? Because I know that if I, you know, I've got this experience and, you know, I haven't made always made the right decisions, but, you know, I'm not afraid to talk about it either. I mean, because I think people need to hear the good, the bad and the ugly, you know, because no matter what somebody tells you and says, okay, well, this person, oh, this person was a fantastic leader and they were so successful. Well, okay, we'll unpack all the failures that they've had to get along to that point. Right. right. And so, you know, I, I mentioned that a lot in, in the, as you know, in the, in the book that I wrote, but it's coming to a sense that, okay, well, you make mistakes, you can still be successful. And what I like to say is that, look, if I can do it, you can do it too, because mm -hmm. there's no special ingredients. It's just that you got to work hard and you got to continue to learn about your craft, no matter what it is. Right. Learning and earning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. The IQ, but then the, you know, the experience, you got to work it out. All right. Okay. So thanks for your perspective on loneliness, Jerry, that I really appreciate. Wrote quite a few notes down. The next thing my dad talked about is weariness. And it's tough, you know, in sales. And like you said, it's okay, that was good, but what's next? How do you stay replenished or refreshed and not burn out? Because there are cycles for everything. How do you handle weariness? Yeah. So weariness in this sense is, is not physical, although it can, it can turn into that if you're not mm -hmm. careful. And, you know, what happens is the daily things mount up on you. And you can plan and you can have your day all like, this is, this is what I'm doing today. And that first phone call blows everything up. Right. And you never get to the things that you wanted to get to. And, you know, there are pressing things that need to get done. And at the end of the day, you're mentally exhausted. Yes. And, and so what I've tried to do is to continually put it in perspective. In other words, I get overwhelmed with things. And I think we all do. You know, whatever position we're in, I think it's easy to get overwhelmed with things. And I just take a step away and just kind of try to look at it from away from the mirror a little bit and say, okay, you know, what's causing this right now? And got all this stuff to do. I think what I'm going to do is just take a step back. I'm going to come back in 
And now I'm just going to take one at a time because mm-hmm. that's all that we can do, mm-hmm. you know? And I think if we let us ourselves get hit with so much, I think overwhelm is where we get weary. I think when we start to get overwhelmed with things, one project after the next, or, you know, one sales reference, it's in my position, a director coming back and everything that they have is immediate. And I think one of the things that that helps weariness is coming to the realization that we have to set boundaries mm-hmm. because, and I was have been terrible, terrible with this in the past, I think it's because I want to serve and I want, I want to make sure, you know, I'm always available, but you know, that in itself will make you extremely weary. So if you set boundaries, and what I mean by setting boundaries, if somebody's walked running, you know, not in the world of COVID so much anymore, but somebody running into your office and you're on the phone and they got to talk to you right away and you just put down what you're doing and you, you go to that person and you do that and you, you can't. It doesn't do them any good. It doesn't do you any good. So I think by setting boundaries, I think you can call back a little bit of the weariness because you can manage your time more effectively. I don't know if that makes sense, but. Oh, absolutely. What- yeah. And there are a lot of different kinds of weariness. And a lot of time it is, I love it's what is it really that has you so tired? And a lot of times it's not physical stuff. You know, right. I can get eight hours sleep and be in the top health and still be drained. And then you got to look at it and go, what is it really? Mm-hmm. You know, what do I need to well, do? Have you ever gone through a day when you know you're physically tired at the end of a day? And that's okay. But if you haven't done much during the day and all of a sudden you just get, there's something else, there's some things, there's some other right. things there that have brought you to that point. Mm-hmm. And I think the trick is for us to, to try to avoid that at all costs. I think better time management is one of them. You know, obviously, too, when you've got major decisions, and I've had a few lately with my position with regard to accounts and people, and that in itself will make you weary as well. Oh, gosh, yes. Because you've got a lot hanging on you because there's a lot of things hanging in the balance. And when people's lives are hanging in the balance, I guarantee you that will make you weary. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. So loneliness, weariness. And you know what? Thanks for bringing that up. Because as leaders, I never really understood until I got in the leadership chair. That's a lot of responsibility. You you know, you can poo-poo leadership, but a lot they're aware and and they're having to keep things going and numbers met so everybody can stay employed. And Mm -hmm. that is draining. And especially with COVID, I mean, I've had so many of my dear friends say, hey, I had to, for the first time, let somebody go or put them on partial. And it's exhausting for the people making the decisions too. Yeah, I've, I've had, you know what, I've, I've lived that. So we you know, right. I had to do that. I did that early on with COVID and I did it again, you know, moving somebody out of the organization into a distributor role. And it's just something that needed to be done. Mm-hmm. It's not pleasant. And you try to do, you know, I think if you're a good organization, and you're really truly trying to do the best for your people. And part of leadership is trying to bring out the best in your people too, obviously. But when you have to make a decision, you try to do what's best in the companies for the company and for that individual as well. Right, right. Absolutely. All right. Thank you for that. So loneliness, weariness. The next thing my dad talked about was abandonment. And you know, that typically has a negative connotation. But his point was that we need to abandon what we like and want to think about and do in favor of what we ought and need to think about and do. And so for him, it was more a focus. So can you explain that for me? Jerry, you've got a lot of different things going on. Like you said, people coming in your office, your several jobs, you're, you're doing this horse thing now. How do you stay focused? Yeah. So you and I talked a little bit about this, but vision with the right action in place, abandoning, you know, the things that you might like to do, but aren't going to get you where you need to be. Right. Oh and, gosh. And, yeah. And that's tough to do because uh-huh. we get caught up. everybody gets caught up and, you know, we get tired and you go, oh, I'm just going to do this. But abandoning those things that aren't going to 
help you get where you want to be in the world in life is the first step. And when, and you can do that and you can focus. If you can look ahead and focus and imagine yourself already in that position, okay, in that role, I think that helps you get through that. Mm-hmm. I think, I definitely think that because the book that I read recently, which is from, I think, 2005, Law of Attraction. And I think that Napoleon Hill even mentions a lot of that stuff in his book. When you focus on something and see it as if it's already happened, then you attract those things in your life, those things and the people in your lives that are going to help you get there, you know? And so I think that's a big thing with abandonment. Abandon those things that just aren't, you know, they may be pleasing at the time and they may be short term. Right. Think about think about the other things because those things are much bigger and much broader. And I love that you were talking about um, sometimes it has a shelf life. It may work for a season, but it's not something that and you, you know, you're in sales. Things are always changing, you know, so you got to be clear on uh, what's the old is it uh, Churchill or Patton? I think it's Churchill. However, no, maybe Patton. However, bullying at the strategy, we we must look at the results. And it's like, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I read a book called Sacred Cows Make the Best Burgers. That, that's like my favorite title in the whole world. I'm like, <laughs> but it's tough. It's my sacred cow. I don't want to let it go. And so yeah, I just, if you can't embrace change. And, you know, I know you're from having met your dad one time and reading his book in the background that you mm-hmm. can probably see is that he was a lifelong learner just like I see that you are. And I think that piece, being that lifelong learner and always trying to focus on where you want to be, where you want to go, I think just totally helps you alleviate some of those things that you shouldn't be doing. If you really want something strong enough and you really surround yourself by the people that will get you there, and those people will show up because they they start to believe in you and believe in you doing. Absolutely. And I think a lot of times, I mean, I, I was just having a conversation with somebody this morning and I'm like, don't build it and hope that you're drawing the right people. Fire it up inside here and then like moths to the flame, then they come to you. And right. I think the old paradigm is, well, I've got to figure out what people want. And it's like, yeah, well, I've tried that for quite a few decades and maybe other people are good at it, but I'm not real good at it. <laughs> but the clearer I get on what I'm here for, then like you said, the right resources, people, books, advocates, then start coming in and I get real clear. I found that your definiteness of purpose you're talking about, Napoleon Hill, I think that's the greatest factor as far as abandonment, because then I can push off all the time sucks. I can push off the conversations that are the, oh, let's go to lunch and catch up. Yeah, but I only have so much time in a day and it comes a time where you got to stay really focused on that. But you're also because you're looking at something bigger, right? Yes. So, you know, yes. Um, I think you get to a point in your life and, you know, when you've, you've gained experience and you've had successes and failures. And for me, if you said, Jerry, what's success to you? Well, it's not having all the money in the world right now, although you want to be financially independent and all mm-hmm. that. I think most of us do it in life. But what can you do with that? If you can give back and make a difference in people's lives and you see that you can see the difference that that makes, for me, that just charges me up. Mm-hmm. It really does. I mean, I mean that really sincerely because, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I don't know that I, oh, it's just, I want to be successful. I want to be, well, what is it? You know, you start thinking, well, what is success? Well, you know, success is when you get to a point, I think, where you're able to give back and you can see the difference that you're making in people's lives. And for me, that doesn't fuel fuel you or fuel me, then nothing will. And so that's why I I wrote the book, The Four Pillars of Sales. And and I I had an orthopedic surgeon call me a couple of weekends ago 
He says, I'm reading your book. He goes, I got to tell you, you know, it's not about sales. That for whole first part of your book is about life. And I'm like, wow. And I've had several other people just call and give me the feedback. The woman in Maine called that I knew years ago, and she bought the book for her nephews. And she sent me a picture of the book was on this young man's desk. He's first uh, freshman in college mm. with notes and the book open on his desk in his room. And I'm like, that's po- to me, that's powerful. Because yes. if you can touch people's lives like that, that's a big deal. And so I love it. Okay, so it's easy to abandon that other stuff and just focus on what's good. Well, it is. And I think too, with getting older, your mortality starts closing in. I'm so much more aware of every passing moment, not in a scary way, but in a sense of urgency like, come on, Tracy, you're not going to run this race. You're going to finish strong whenever that race is up. So, I mean, I, I, you know, it's interesting you said that because I think about that a lot. It's not like, okay, yeah, I'm getting older. And it's not like I'm going to go from one job to the next or, you know, so what does that look like taking in every moment, doing the things like we talked about, you know, I'm, I, I work with horses, and I love it. And seeing what a difference that can make in people's lives, for instance, opens up a whole new chapter. So I think as you get older, you have to discover those things. And I mm. think we have a stronger capability of really finding those things when we get older, if we just open up and we've got, you know, and we make sure that, you know, we, we actually continue to have a vision, you know, it's like you said, vision is seeing what it is and getting it done. Right. And, right. and so if you've got a clear vision, no matter what age, I'll tell you, Ronald, I love Ronald Reagan, right. Cause I went in the Marine Corps because of Ronald Reagan back in 1981 and Ronald Reagan rode horses till he was in his eighties yes. until he couldn't, until he got Alzheimer's obviously. Age is only a limitation if you make it there, but so you can still make a difference in people's lives as you get older and older. It doesn't matter. I love it. I love that you're talking about your vision getting stronger as we get older. And that's what I tell a lot of the younger kids. I'm like, I don't know. When you're younger, it's just so much tougher because you're trying to figure out, trying to make ends meet, trying to raise kids. And then it's just like, then you get to the season where it's like, okay, now, now what am I really going to build that's going to last? So now mm-hmm. I know you hit on the vision word, but can you share with us how you gain, how you hone your vision? Because I know you just went out to California to kind of tweak your vision. I'd love to hear, for the listeners to hear what you're involved in. So first part of the question, you know, that's a tough one. There's so many things that I like and that I'm interested in. But over the last couple of years, I've tried to say, okay, well, what am I good at? What do I enjoy the most? And how can I bring that together to make a difference? So that's been my thought process. So obviously with sales and leadership, sales leadership, one of the reasons um, you know, that, that I came up with the four pillars, but then horses. And it's an interesting thing. We talk about you know when we start to have that vision, we start to attract people into our lives and things into our lives that kind of move things in a certain direction. And that's exactly what happened here. I've been riding horses for several years and I'm riding at a barn in the Carlisle Jonna Stables, really beautiful indoor facility. And the owner of that facility, uh, Donna Snyder, when I was finishing the four pillars and just getting the draft done and everything, and she, she had read it and she goes, you know, I've wanted to create a program around leadership. And she goes, you know, I think that we could do something with this. And what do you think? And I kind of sat on that. And this happened while all while I was sitting on a horse, by the way, and she was giving a riding lesson. And I went back and I started just Googling things and looking at leadership and horses and found this program that was based out of Germany called Horse Dreams. A gentleman named Gerhard Krebs had developed this program years ago. And it's all based on that horses are herd animals, but they're very intuitive. They don't care whether Dr. Jones has had a good day or a bad day or Jerry Savage has had a good day or a bad day. 
they're always present. And because they're herd animals, they always work within an environment that has leadership built within it. Mm -hmm. And the roles that they have are essentially, they're all as important as one. You know, I mean, one role, the leadership role in the front is 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 just as important as any other role within the herd. But because horses are prey animals and they're always present in their mind, they can sense that in people. So they can sense if somebody's actually present. You know, what I mean by that quickly is that if you're bogged down in things during the day and you're looking at your cell phone and you're really, you know, not you're talking to somebody and you're not really interested, guess what? You know, they get that right away. They know that you're not present. In fact, if you have a goal or something in mind, and you want to get to that goal, guess what? The horse could actually sense that. And that sounds probably really out there, but what we do is work with horses in a sense that they become our partner. So that when we use like a little obstacle course that we can lead the horse around, and we ask people to walk with intention and walk with that goal in mind and use that course as what would be the roadmap for them to get to their goal. Mm -hmm. So they, they go off and they're leading the horse and they're walking with that intention. But if they're unsure of themselves or there's something else going on, the horse senses that and it reflects back to the person. So for instance, like when I was in California and all this stuff going on and I want to do this business and all this stuff and I start leading the horse and the horse stops. I'm like, why? I'm like, you know, come on, follow me. But people that were observing saw me looking down. They saw me with tension on the on the lead rope. And the horse just said, you know what? I don't have a leader here, so I'm just going to stop and eat grass. And so what one person reflected back to me, and what happens is when you're going through this course, people watch you. And they not watch you to judge you because it's all data. They just watch you to give you feedback. Mm. And somebody said instantly, vision without action. I go, oh, wow. Now... If you're in a classroom and somebody tells you that, it might sink in and three days later you forget it. But I can tell you if a thousand pound animal tells you that you have vision without action, I guarantee you'll remember that for the rest of your life. And so that's what we do in the course. We actually have teams of business leaders and, and team members come out and we actually do a bunch of exercises. And what gets reflected back is amazing. People find more about their own leadership style and mm. where they fit the best and more about themselves. And so it. it's such a step out of the classroom. And my goal was to obviously develop a sales training process and work with personality styles and develop that in the book. But this is such a step beyond that because it takes you out of the classroom in an environment where things just make sense. And you know what? People tend to bond more when they're in an exercise like this. And so I'm really excited about it. It's just getting off the ground now. We did our first demonstration day two weeks ago. We're doing another one on December 12th. And then from that point, the hope is to have companies come in and with their teams and go through the exercises for a day. Excellent. I love it. Okay, so we're wrapping this up. Jerry, is there anything else? You know, we've discussed loneliness, weariness, abandonment, and vision. Anything else on the topic of you as a leader, sharing with other leaders out there that you would like to include? Yeah, I think we can't lose sight of that as leaders. Part of our responsibility is to bring out the very best that people have to offer, the people that, that we're leading. We want to bring out the very best that they have to offer. And by doing that, we have to become the best version of ourselves, the best version possible. So I love the phrase, you know, being a lifelong learner, people take that to heart and they're always learning and searching for new ways to be better and to improve their leadership and their leadership style and to really connect with individuals. You know, and I think, as I said, in the four pillars of sales, it, you know, I've, you try to live by this, 
you know, honesty, integrity, knowledge, and genuine interest. You know, leaders need to be honest with themselves before they can even be honest with other people. So that's a big one, you know, and integrity where people say, hey, it's, you know, the, the cliche is doing the right thing when no one's looking. But you know what? And I'm sure you know this, Tracy, you haven't been in the military. It says when you see somebody with a lot of integrity, you want to mirror those, you know, those, those people become your mentors. Those people are the people you really want to model yourself after, right? And then whatever business you're in, whatever, you know, whatever it is, stay relevant. You know, I've had the opportunity, the sad opportunity at times to be at meetings in my field where I've seen people walking. We have big conventions, not now because of COVID, but every year there's big meetings and you see people walking the floor that have been in the business for 35 plus years and they're looking for the next cup of coffee <laughs> to talk about the old days. And, you know, and I don't mean any disrespect to them no, at all. No, I know. But, you know, age is just a number. If you stay relevant, that's what I mean. Knowledge is staying relevant. I Knowledge, love it. You know, understanding Knowledge is that is continuing to read, continuing to learn new things from people, staying staying relevant in your field. If you stay relevant, you're valuable. You are valuable. If you stay relevant, you I don't care what age you are, you have value. And so I would caution people, you know, I don't care what age you are, stay relevant in whatever field it is that you enjoy, if you want to stay in that field. And then the last one, I think, is genuine interest. I think every leader has to have a genuine interest in people. You just can't lead because you want to be a leader and you want to be out front. You have to have a genuine interest in people. And people sense that. If you're looking at them when you're talking to them, I hope, forgive me for going back to this, but I met your dad at the mall with my daughter when I, the first year that I moved here. I didn't know who in the world this man was. I walked into the mall and there was executive books and this man in a tuxedo came up to me or a tux or he had a, excuse me, a black bow tie. And he shook my hand and he says, it's so good to know you. We're so good to see you. And I'm like, who is this guy? My daughter was standing right next to me. I had no idea. But you know what? He looked me in the eye and he had a genuine interest in me, you know? And so you can't get beyond that. If you have a genuine interest in people, people see that, they respect you. And when I talked about attracting people into your lives, when you have a vision and you'll attract the right people, if they know you're genuine, they're going to want to come along for the ride. So for our leaders out there, that's just my interpretation. And sometimes I write blogs and I like to say leadership in the trenches. And oh. leadership in the trenches is just doing, but leadership yes. in the trenches is also continuing to learn. So I love it. I love it. Okay. So now you talked about your book. Where can people pick up copies of that? And where's the best way for our listeners to stay connected with you? Sure. So I have a website, which is fourpillarsconsultinggroup.com. You know, the bio on, on me is, is on the website. And also find the four pillars of sales on Amazon. And if you go to the website, you can press the link to go there as well. And then that's pretty much it. I'm on LinkedIn. So uh, Jerry with a G, G-E-R-R-Y. So please reach out to me on LinkedIn or uh, you can send me um, a private message if you want on LinkedIn and I'll respond to you. I think that's a great way. I love it. Jerry, oh my gosh, thank you so much. And to our listeners out there, make sure you check out, get on Jerry's website. If you're in South Central PA, maybe see you out at the December event. That would be really fun. And Jerry, just thank you so much. You are an authentic leader. I appreciate, I can tell you have paid the price of leadership. So, sir, I salute you. And thanks so much for sharing with our listeners today. Well, Tracy, thanks for having me. It's been great. And I really appreciate it. I love it. And I love that story about you running into my dad. Somebody asked me that the other day. What, what was the most important thing? He, how did he achieve the most success? And I said, he just made everybody feel like they were the greatest thing on planet. That was it. 
I, I don't know what else to say other than he just had that touch. He did. And I still have the, obviously, I think I showed it to you. I sent you a copy of his signature on it. Yeah. So Beautiful. means a lot. Means a lot well, so. that's what leaders do. So to our tremendous listeners out there, if you like what you have heard, please be sure and hit the subscribe button, ding the bell. Also, if you would do us an honor of leaving a review or a comment, we answer all of our comments. And please, if you have been blessed or inspired by something Jerry said, please be sure and share it so other leaders can realize there's a price to pay and we're all out there doing it. We're here to support one another. So thanks again, everybody, for being part of our Tremendous Tribe. Have a tremendous day. Thank you for listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Find out more about Dr. Jones at www.tremendousleadership.com. If you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode, let us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.